0: How are you doing this weekend? Somebody glad to be here. It is great to see you. You picked an incredible weekend. I am so excited about worship this weekend. It's already been off the chart. Welcome to every one of our campuses. And you need to know something we love you. We are one house with a lot of rooms, one church with a lot of locations. God behind bars, so proud of you, men. Your faithfulness, man, how you serve God. Come on, Faith Promise. Let's welcome God Behind Bars, online, all of our campuses. And again, I want you to hear some. I am so proud of you and love you. Michelle and I are thrilled. We just celebrate what God is doing. Our theme for this year is Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, proclaim release, to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those that are oppressed and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He said to, to just proclaim the captives. See, here's the deal. When Jesus died on the on the cross and rose from the grave, he unlocked every prison door that you and I could ever face. So we proclaim, we listen, we proclaim freedom because the door is unlocked. The door has been, has, been, has been won, purchased by Jesus. Many times we just don't see or realize that we can walk out in freedom. But I'm telling you, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Our heart for you, my heart as your pastor, is freedom. And one of the absolute greatest prisons that we have, any of us, we've all been in is the prison of finances. Would y'all agree with that? Anybody ever been stuck in that prison, that cell? Come on, come on, don't be, come on, don't lie. We don't want to lose the anointing. Any area that you want deliverance in, any area that you want to walk in freedom, the first thing you do is put God first in that area. Matter of fact, it's our number one value at faith promise. We put God first. So any area that you need deliverance, any area that you need to walk in freedom. It, well, I don't care if it's your marriage or your health or your finances or your ministry with your kids, with relationships, vocationally, whatever it is, if you will put God first, you can walk in freedom. Now, let me just go ahead and give you a, a dis, disclaimer right up front. A lot of the content for this weekend's message I got from a friend of mine, Robert Morris. He's the pastor of Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas, an incredible Bible communicator, I believe the greatest teacher alive when it comes to finances. Just every area of money, Robert is a genius. He spoke for us for, he's been here, and he's done videos for us, he is incredible. So some of the stuff today is gonna come out of his book, Beyond Blessed. He wrote his first book 20 years ago, still a bestseller, The Blessed Life. This has gone back and answered some questions beyond blessed. Now we all know that money can jack you up, can't it? So we've all been in trouble. Most of us experienced debt. And really walking this this money road is, is like this road that I found out about. It's called the Youngest Road. This is the most dangerous road on the planet. This road is 45 miles between Bolivia's capital La Paz and Coroisa in the Andes Mountains. It is 45 miles, sheer cliffs, no guardrails. It is called Estrada de Morte, the road of death. Over 200 people die on this stretch of road. It's a little bit blasphemous to call it a road. But over 200 people die every year. And Mike and I were talking about it. He said, Dad, well, if so many people die on the road, why don't they just not go there? Don't drive on it because there's no other way to get to where they need to be. It's the only way through the Andes Mountains. So you know what? We, we've crashed with money, but listen, there's no way not to have to deal with money, is there? And so, so really, again, I want you really keen, this sermon, let me go ahead and help some of you. It's not about giving. It really is not about giving. What we want to do is try to manage the resources that God has given us really to help us be good stewards of the resources. Anybody born again at any of our campuses this weekend? All right. So when you gave your heart to Jesus, let me tell you what you did. You signed over title and deed to God. Does that make sense? It means everything you have, he owns, right? And so every dime you have, every day you have, everything you have, And so what God has called us to do really is, one of the difficult things, is to walk the balance beam of managing money. Yeah, if I land on my head, it's the only place it will help me. And so we walk on the side. Now, on this balance beam, I have three choices. I can stay up or I can fall off one side or the other. It's the same way when it comes to money. And can I tell you, money is just killing a generation. It's the number one cause for divorce in America today. It is killing people with psychosomatic illnesses, man, hypertension, all kind of stuff because people are struggling and frustrated and wrestling with money. It dominates our thoughts. Are you with me? And because it dominates your thought, it robs our joy. And I want to show you today why it does it. Incredible revelation, because the enemy of God wants to minimize your eternal impact for the kingdom of God. So what the enemy wants to do is knock you off balance. Are you with me? And see, the enemy doesn't push you the other way. If you start leaning, he's gonna shove you off one side or the other. Now let me tell you, I got some incredible news for you. If you're listening, Sam, Here's the deal. I don't care if you've lost your footing in stewardship You can regain your balance, and you can move forward. I don't care how deep debt you're in. I don't care how difficult. You may be jobless. You may have a mountain of debt because of physical or credit card. You may have had some horrible things happen to you or something somebody did to you, and your life is wrecked financially. Can I tell you, God wants to set us free. Do y'all believe that? It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Now, so let's think about money. So we got this balance beam. Are you with me? And there's two sides that I can fall off on. One side is a poverty mindset. The other side is a prosperity mindset. See, poverty mindset has been with us since the church has been, people have fallen off this side of the balance beam for two millennia. Again, prosperity over here, poverty over here. See, they have been promising God for centuries. See, there, by the way, there's an insidious demonic spirit that wants to push you off one side or the other. Can I tell you, last week when I preached a message on generosity, I saw that spirit raise this ugly head? And some of you felt the battle that was going on. So, so the enemy wants to push us over here, which is, which is poverty. Again, that's the history of the church. Christians have promised God, I'll be poor. Because they believed if they were poor, God God would be pleased with that. And why wouldn't they believe that after all? Think about the Gospels. Jesus told the rich man, go sell everything you have and come and follow me. Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, money is the root of all evil. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor. Or did he? See, those are some extraordinarily common myths conceptions that Christians have always had. Generations have thought material possessions are evil, and so these possessions are evil, so I don't want to have any. It's called asceticism. I will reject all of the worldly stuff, and if you go me to Israel, man, we'll go through caves where monks and and Christians have lived since all the way back right after Jesus. We go where the the, the Dead Sea Scrolls are found. You got all that that's going on because see, they they ended up believing that Christ, that that poverty was a virtue. Francis of Assisi, one of the leading church guys in his generation, said, "Holy poverty, it is the foundation and the guardian of all values." We have heard that you poverty are the queen of virtues, and to some extent, we have learned from experience. So people thought, "I'm more blessed because I'm poor." Possessions will corrupt me. Money will misuse me. And so what does he do? He pushes us off balance when God wants to provide for us. Say, oh, no, 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 no. Martin Luther, the, the, the great reformer, or his, his attempt was reform the Catholic Church and who took a, of, uh, a vow of poverty as a monk. He ends up saying this, if silver and gold are things evil in themselves, then those who keep away from them deserve to be praised. But if they are good creatures of God, which we can use both for the needs of our neighbors and for the glory of God, is not a person silly, even unthankful to God, if he refrains from them as if they are evil? And But we believe. So poverty is not a virtue. There are poor people that are virtuous, but you don't get points from God because you're poor. You're not loved by God more because you are poor. Jesus only told one person, go and sell everything you have. That was a rich young ruler. He didn't, tell, he didn't tell Nicodemus that. He didn't tell Joseph of Arimathea, an extraordinarily wealthy man, that. He didn't tell Zacchaeus that. He didn't tell Matthew that. He dealt with rich people all the time. He didn't say you've got to give it all away. He said it to one person because gold was that guy's God. In Matthew 3, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. That has nothing to do with your money. It has to do with moral bankruptcy. It has to do with the fact that we recognize that as we come to God, we don't have anything. Are you with me? We come to God and say, God, all I have is sin. I have no access to you. I come poor in spirit. And then God wants to enrich us, not with just money, but with himself. Does that make sense? See, our worth is in him, not our bank account. 1 Timothy 6, 17, God warns, the warns people that are rich. He didn't say give it all away. But what he does say is instruct those who are rich in this present age not to be conceited or fix their hope or fix their trust in the fleetingness of riches. Do we not live in a country that puts every bit of its hope in money? Come on, are y'all with me? It's all about the money. We're just supposed to trust in God, not in gold. God gives us things to enjoy, not to elevate to the level of God. When my kids were little, or my grandkids now, if I give them a gift, I don't want them to love what I give them more than they love me. Does that make sense? I want them to say, thanks, Dad, or thanks, Papa. This is great. Thank you so much. The older they get, the harder that is, by the way. (laughs) And so God wants us to have stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have us. Let me give you some symptoms because I'm gonna tell you there's some poverty mindset going on in the house. Are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. Yeah. Let me give you some, let me give you five things. Number one, stuff comes from the devil. Stuff is amoral. A car's not good or bad; it's just a car. Unless it's a Corvette, then it's it's good. And so, <laughs> stuff is from God. We are to be ashamed of all of our stuff. See, Michelle and I grew up. Our whole married life, we were dirt poor. We had three kids, a single wide trailer, and two bedrooms. And so we, we, we spent a lot of our time poor. As God began to bless, who began to bless? God began to bless. And we had more stuff. When we built a house that we live in now 15 years ago, Michelle said, don't let anybody come over here. I said, so why? She said, this is too nice. People can't know we live in this house. It's the spirit of poverty. Especially in the ministry, Lord, you keep, we'll keep him poor, you keep him humble. Isn't that right? Number three, we paid less than we really did. Oh, it's a beautiful purse, ma'am. I, I got it half price. I got on a cruise. I really didn't pay. Are you with me? You feel that? Or we need to justify our purchases. You can't believe how many homes I've walked in that said this. Oh, my goodness. Your house is awesome. Pastor, we bought this for a small group. I mean, we don't really need all this house, but we want to do ministry here. (laughs) Are you with me? we got to justify That's the spirit of poverty. Or we feel guilty about God's blessings. Are y'all with me? Is anybody with me? Come on. So the devil wants to push you off. And And we all have little, then there's the other side. There's the prosperity side. We judge how much God loves us by how much we have. See, it's where we take a good thing, which is what God gives us, and we push it to the ultimate thing. We make money and stuff the ultimate mark of God's blessings. It is not biblically. There are so many things we like to have. See, more than money. Here's the deal. We are born with this insatiable desire to acquire, aren't we? You fight and grumble among yourselves because you quarrel because you want and you don't have. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can. Are you with me? But wealth can't provide a great family. Wealth can, wealth can buy a house, it can't make a home. Wealth can't give, can give you joy. Wealth can't give you purpose or a meaningful life. Wealth can't give you the things that you are hardwired to want the most. Money cannot provide them. Yeah, we Americans have bought the lie, hadn't we? more I get, happier I'll be. If I can just get a thousand more square feet or a hundred more horsepower, one more coach purse or another set of Gucci shoes, man, I'll, I'll have made it. And see, we Americans believe in the lie that, that, that if, if I get more, I'll be happy. I'll just be happy. And so we compare ourselves and we grade ourselves. Some of you drove in the parking lot, looked at the car, you pulled up next to you. That's nicer matter. That's a piece of junk. And we grade ourselves based on the status of what we drive or where we live. Is this right? believing it's going it's to bring us purpose or significance or joy. So you know what we do? Because it doesn't, we will spend ourselves into debt because we believe it will give it to us. See, Mark four nineteen. Jesus talked about the things that choked out the word of God. One of those things he said was the deceitfulness of riches. What is a deceit but a lie? So the devil wants to push you off this side. Into of prosperity materialism it's even saying God blesses me he wants me to have tons of stuff so really what I want God is what I can get not for who he is does this make sense let see the spirit of materialism is strong in America is that right and Wall Street has made billions on understanding it better than we understand it does this make sense See, marketing, if you're not careful, can make you discontented. And marketing is brilliant. I use Instagram, and I'll pull Instagram up, and there's Pete Pastures, friends of mine I follow, and some car places and some hunting things. And I'll pull it up, and I'll scan by the second one. It's an an advertisement. Are you with me? There's never anything on there I don't want. (laughs) Never once have they advertised to me a purse. Our pair of earrings, oh no, it's a bow, it's, a, it's something nice. It's, why? Because they know, now they know us. And what marketing, if we're not careful, what marketing will do will, is make us ungrateful and unthankful and discontented so we have to be, have more to be happy. 1 John two sixteen. what is it? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. That's the flesh. Those that walk in the flesh, Romans 8, can't please God. But what happens, the enemy pushes it on. And so Wall Street's making millions because they want you to believe that your net worth, is all. your self-worth is all about your net worth, and there is no comparison. The spirit of materialism, I love, I love what Robert Morris said. He said, the spirit of materialism leaves us miserable, alienated from others, and separated from God alone in every way. See, it promises, but it cannot provide. It does bait, but it never gives. And the enemy of God doesn't care which side of this beam you fall off of. You can fall back into poverty. You can fall in prosperity. Both sides keep your focus off Jesus. He just wants you to fall. He wants to keep you from great financial stewardship because if you're over here in poverty, you're proud because you're poor. If you're over here in materialism, your focus is on more. Either way, your focus is on jesus and looking down not looking up does this make sense is he made with me which leaves us no contentment no joy the things that jesus bought on the cross no victory no freedom and there is and there is a spirit an insidious demonic spirit that's behind all this are you ready if you're ready say i'm ready it's called the spirit of mammon m-a-m-m-o-n jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, you cannot serve. How many masters? Either you will hate one and you will love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the New American Standard says wealth. Most new translations translate the word wealth. The Greek word is Mammonas, which, is, which is, comes from an Aramaic word, mammon. Which means treasure or riches. Now if Jesus wanted to say money there in verse 24, he would have used the same word he used in Mark 4:19, the deceitfulness of riches. That's not the word he uses. He uses another word in, in, in Matthew 6:24, which is Mammon. Does this make sense? See, Mammon was the Chaldean god of riches. And mammon wants to be, look, look up here, listen. Mammon wants to be served. And do you know what most of us, blood-bought, spirit-filled children of God do? We serve mammon. And Jesus said, see, that's this, why this is a spiritual war between both, because mammon has been exploiting our greed and our envy and our fear. Fear that we won't have enough for all of recorded history. Does this make sense? Now, the word Babylon, which is the capital of Chaldea, Babylon arises. Its 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 name from Babel, which is the Tower of Babel. You go back to the to Genesis chapter eleven. You'll see those people were all together and had all things in common, and they were prosperous, and they started making these fires, and they started making these bricks. And they're building a tower. And they said, we'll build a tower to God because we don't need God. We will shake our fists in the face of God. See, they didn't think they needed God because they had all bowed down to mammon. And Jesus said, you cannot serve me and him at the same times. Does this make sense? Again, if it was just money, Jesus would have said that. But our Lord understands the invisible, unseen forces of spiritual warfare. And mammon is out there. It's a spiritual war that every one of us faces when we turn two and they put us in the nursery. Mine, 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 mine. I don't want those 24 toys that are in a pile. I want the one she has. Are you with me? I want the one he has. And so we've got to understand that Jesus is the Lord of our lives, not the spirit of mammon. Mammon promises, but never provides. See, how many purchases have you made thinking, man, when I get this, woo!" and you get it. but you're excited. That's a new car, fine Corinthian leather. It smells new. It's nice. It's not a scratch on it. You say, I'll never let anybody ride in it. Never gonna get a scratch on it. I wash it every day. <laughs> Woo! And then you put your kid in the back seat and he projectile vomits all the way into the front seat. About four months later, there's French fries everywhere, ketchup thing squirted into the carpet. Somewhere on the line, somebody's dropped a thing of milk, some kid, and it smells like somebody pooped in the back seat. You hear that? It's God saying yes. So, here's, <laughs> here's the deal. Now, now me, now I want you to understand. L- listen, listen. Mammon is a type of a spirit of the Antichrist. Now, if you go into Revelation, some of you have been in on church a long time, some of you haven't, but if you go back and you look at the seven years of tribulation in the book of Revelation, Satan will be personified, he'll be worshipped, and he will, he will lead the world. And do you know how Satan will control the world? Economically. Because if you don't take the mark of the beast, you will not be able to buy and or sell. So how has the devil stayed in control of the cultures? He does it economically. Does this make sense? And here's what we do. Listen, come on, look, look up here. Man, tons of us got kids. And we, without even thinking about it, teach our kids that money's the answer to all their problems. Well, you gotta go to school. You gotta make good grades so you can do what? Get in college so you can do what? Get a good job. 51% of millennials with college degrees are underemployed. But you gotta go do that so you can, so you can make good money so you can provide for your family. You can get all this stuff. And we're saying, well, how come millennials don't want that? Because they've watched our lives. Did it make us happy? Did that house in 401K make you happy? Well, no, but it will them. See, that's the spirit of mammon. It didn't work before, but it's going to work now. Does this make sense? Are y'all with me? So if you teach your kids that money is the answer to all their problems, they will worship mammon and not Jesus. So how do we win this war? Let's wrap this... Let's sort of bring this, bring this down. Do y'all, does this make sense? Are y'all seeing it? Because I can start back over. Okay, so what does God wants us to do? God wants us to manage in the middle. God wants us to walk the balance beam and live in victory. Let me give you some keys to victory. Are you ready? Who's ready for some keys to victory? Come on. All right. Number one, recognize that God is the true source of all that we have. Are you with me? It's not Hollywood. It's not Wall Street, it's not Washington. Our source is God. So we put God first in everything. That means we bring the tithe into the storehouse to show to God and our kids and our family, we put God first. Does that make sense? Then what do we do? Then we walk in gratitude. See, if you get up every morning and take a few minutes and just write down, as Halloran said, three things for which you're grateful, you just start walking in gratitude It's incredible how much less you need when you're grateful for what you have. When I was at the most ungrateful in my life at a church plant in Louisiana making $16,000 a year with three kids and, and credit card debt and somebody gave me a car, a Delta 88. It was a land yacht. It had no reverse. I was so thankful for that car. See the reason mo- most of us go out and buy cars we can't afford and pay debt which we owe more on a car than it's worth do you know why because we're not grateful for the car that we have we're not grateful for the house we're not grateful for the clothes we're not grateful for the spouse so we get rid of them and get another one we're not grateful for god's blessings because the spirit of mammon tells us if i could get that person or that thing or that purchase then i'll be happy walking god's bl- walking god's gratitude does that make sense just make it. It's a choice. Refuse to get into the cult of comparison. Refuse it. You don't compare yourself with other people's houses or cars. You know, I have to, I have to work at not comparing faith promise to my friends' churches. Don't get in the cult of comparison because it ruins your contentment. And once you've compared it, it, ruins your contentment. Then you'll get in debt to buy things so it'll impress people that you don't even like with things you don't even need. We're going to get jiggy next weekend when Mr. Budget, he's moving in. Are you with me? In fact, some of you that have got young adult kids or whatever, you need to get them here next weekend because we're gonna talk about what's it, what's it gonna take for Mr. Budget to move in your house. Is this, are you with, because good stewards, one leg is, is obedience and generosity and the other leg is good financial money management. And I thought for a lot of my life, if I gave 10%, God had to let me do whatever I wanted with the other 90. Is that stupid? Isn't that dumb? But that's what I did. So I got our family in debt because I didn't understand the leg of, of good stewardship. Let me, let me tell you another thing. Are you ready? Can you stand? If you're ready, say I'm ready. Yes. Just call Mammon out. Call him out. I watched him last weekend when I talked about giving and people, were, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I watched it. <laughs> so call him out. Follow the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna to learn to master money because money is an incredible slave. It's a horrible taskmaster. And so what we become, we, man, we use money for the glory of God, for God's glory, not for our glory, for God's glory. So now let's be honest, because this is most of us. Who of us is mammon affecting us? Come on, come on. Listen, don't have mammon and be a liar. Come on, who, come on. So here's the deal. With every head bowed, every eye closed, come on, you want deliverance? The first thing I want you to do, we we have to acknowledge it. Say, Mammon, you are no longer welcome. I rebuke you. I rebuke idolatry. I will walk in victory. I will be a good steward. I will be contented with whatever God gives me. Holy Spirit, give me discipline, a great plan, and victory over money. God, we right now, we take authority as believers, and we pull down the stronghold of mammon and greed and the idolatry of it all. Uh, We pull down the American lie, and God, we want to walk in the purpose and passion of Jesus. We want to walk in victory and contented. Lord, we wanna walk, able to give, able to go, able to do. We wanna live within our means, and we wanna walk as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We wanna be grateful and thankful for the incredible blessings that you've given us. So God, set us free, set the captives free in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Come on, somebody get happy, come on, man. Now, uh, some of you, this is a struggle because, see, the, if it, it, money may not even be your issue, but here's the deal. Is Jesus the purpose of your life? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Not are you religious, not have you been in church? Have you surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus? He's Lord. That means he owns everything. He's first place in everything. If they say, well, Pastor, man, I'm not sure, then let's get sure. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, test yourself and see if you be in the faith lest you fail the test. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. If you're ready to send your life to Jesus at all of our campuses with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're gonna pray this simple prayer out loud with you. Come on, pray it with us. Dear Jesus, I know we're separated. I now know I need you. Forgive me of my sin, I confess you as Lord of my life. Have your way. Help me be a good steward of everything that I now give to you in Jesus' name. Now, the heads bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer me, nobody looking around, just me and you. How many, how many of you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer? Just hold your hand up. Come on, right there. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Oh, yeah, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, okay, put them down. Look up here. Hands in every section. Come on, somebody gave their heart to Jesus. Man, we get jiggy about that. And so, all those of you raise your hand, listen, do me a favor. Pull the communication card out in front of you, fill the top part out. Go down the circle. I've made a decision to follow Jesus. Check that. Go to the next circle. I need to follow him in believers' baptism. Just go ahead and check both of those circles. You're going to put that in the, in the uh, bucket, offering bucket. When it comes by, we'll be in touch with you. Now, if you've not been to our Next Steps experience, listen, whether you're a believer or not, whether this is your first time or your 400th visit, Next Steps is for everyone. If you've not been, then Next Steps is your next step. Next step. You can stay at all of our campuses to the 615 service at Pellissippi and 11.30 at all of our campuses, you can go to Next Steps. So just recheck your kids in, go. This week, we're going to go to the gym. We're going to learn the secret of supernatural spiritual growth. We're going to learn to develop a plan to grow with God. We're going, to help, we're going to help you. We're going to do some things. We're going to add value to you. It's our goal to add value to you. So just, man, show up this weekend at one of those, at all of our locations, at one of those Next Steps. It'll help you. It'll, it'll, it'll help you. As we get ready to, we get ready to give, hey, let me tell you, this was was last weekend. These are the people that said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll begin the generosity journey or I'll begin a tithe or I'll go. That's just, that's just at the Pallissippi campus. I am so proud of the generosity and honestly, so many people's incredible faithful stewardship the reason the church has gone on for 24 years, and this year we'll baptize our 7,000th person. It's gone on. On the twin tracks of faith and sacrifice. So I am so grateful to you, so grateful. Some of you will give for the first time. That's awesome. That is incredible. I used to say all the time, "Guess we don't care about your money. Your money is not what matters, but but we don't wanna rob you of the opportunity. We didn't invite you here so you give money, we invited you here, but listen, I used to say it, and then I thought, if I believe that people are blessed to give, why would I tell visitors we don't want you blessed, amen? Come on, do we believe people are blessed? Then, man, come on, let's just be faithful. I'm gonna pray our ushers gonna come. By the way, we gotta, listen, do me a favor. Don't just get up and leave. We got a couple more worship songs. Opportunity for man, I just, just enter into what, cause God's delivered some people this weekend. Y'all believe that? Yeah. So we're gonna walk in that. Holy Spirit, we give you glory and praise. Amen. Father, you're doing incredible work. We pray that you will bless every single person, the very first time giver, those kids that are given and promised kids, people that are joined the generosity journey, people that have made a commitment to rebuke mammon and make Jesus Lord of their lives. God, you're doing something incredible. I pray for financial miracles across Faith Promise that we would be delivered from debt and we would walk in financial freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, let, me, let me tell you one more thing while you're doing that. Listen, if you've not signed up for financial peace and you need to do that, sign up and we'll help you. Are we here? Hey, Faith Promise, are we here for everybody? Give God a shout of praise.